we turned that around nine months later, 50% of all their website conversions were coming from organic traffic. 90% of those, so we flipped the script. Before it was 10% were actual buyers and 90% were actors. Now it is 90% buyers and 10% actors. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlock, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Michael. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Michelle. Awesome. We are going to have a ton of fun because we were in the green room for a little bit and we forgot to hit record. So we're going to hit record. Probably a better get... thing. It might have been a better thing. <laughs> so give us a 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do right now. From 5,000 feet, I look like a little white dot because I have a bald head. <laughs> Is that what you were looking for? No. Uh, let's see. My name is Michael Vasinski. <laughs> Easy to aim for. Uh. There you go. <laughs> Amongst all the other white dots down there. Yes. Um, if I just stand in the middle of the road, you can't tell. The uh, the <laughs> My name is Michael Vasinski. Everybody calls me Buzz, by the way. So you can call me Buzz. So I own a, a company called Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing. And we work with service-centric businesses to help them grow their businesses through website marketing. Yeah. Hello. We're talking my love language. Okay, so tell me, um, how did you get into it? So let's back up the bus a little yeah. bit. How did you get into online marketing? This is an hour-long show, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. the, uh, <laughs> we'll be by the time we're done. <laughs> it will be after I get done with this one question. Thank you for tuning in for the one question from Michelle. The uh, So long story short, I, um, was a, I'm a lifetime, lifetime entrepreneur. Yes. Lifetime entrepreneur started back when I was like, oh, shoot, I think I might have been seven years old. And my grandfather said, hey, if you pick up these walnuts off the ground, I will pay you a dollar. Was it a dollar twenty five or a dollar thirty five? A gunny sack. Wow. It's a big sack about the size of me at the time. <laughs> And, <laughs> and even then I was like, like trying to figure out, I was like, so don't pick up the, the pick up the wallets when they get on the ground, when they still have a shook and that the, the husk, sorry, not shook a husk say for those because, that aren't shooking. Yeah. Yeah. Shooking, right. <laughs> shooking walnuts. Right. So a husking. So the husk was nice and big and it made the, 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 the black walnuts twice the size. Right. So there's uh -uh. half as many things. And he gave me one of these walnut picker uppers that would, sh would actually shear the husk off of it. And I was like, no. So I would actually with white gloves or uh, uh, rubber gloves, pick up the walnuts, but he was smarter than me because he would wait. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but he would always wait too long. And so the husks would all shiv uh, shrivel down. And so I'd have to refill the bag over and over again. So he, he always got his money's worth. The but battle anyway. in the wits. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so I understood the economics of scale and all that good stuff at the age of seven. <laughs> so, uh, fast forward, uh, I had a couple. I have I had a couple of businesses as a as a teenager, uh, part time on the side. Dot dot dot. Went to the military. Ended up getting out in 2005 and started a recording studio. I almost forgot to say I'm a failed musician as well. So 15 years professional good musician. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yes, I love to fail. The um, it's that's what makes me so successful, right? That's what my therapist tells me. The um, so 
I, I got out of the service. I had hung up my guitar and I was not tall enough nor dark enough or talented enough to be a rock star. So I started recording studio. And within a year, I realized that surviving off of starving musicians was a horrible plan. So I pivoted into a media production house that then over the next 12 years after that, uh, turned into a creative agency and a 13,000 square foot facility, 22 employees, multi-million dollar uh, creative agency in Anchorage, Alaska, of all places. Loved my life, except I hated my company. I owned a job and I decided to tear the thing apart, tear it down and rebuild it. And so now I have a media company that runs autonomously without me. And I get to spend all my time with websites and website marketing with service-centric businesses so that I can eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Yay! I love it. And you get to spend time with crazies like me. Heck yeah. This is like the best part of my day. <laughs> awesome. So let's dive into who you love working with and what kind of special teas they have. Not that they're just special, but there's special. so I like service centric businesses, mm -hmm. period. I like people who I like people who own businesses that serve other people. Um, when I was rebuilding my company, the creative agency would do brick and mortar, e-commerce. Uh, service, you name it, we do it. Um, it didn't matter. And that's an old way of looking at things. Um, and that's, it's still, I didn't say old, it's a traditional way of running creative agencies is volume. And uh, that's how you grow, right? So it's just the size of your agency matters type of thing. And I found out the size doesn't matter when it comes to your quality of life. And so with that, everything that I learned in scaling or basically Growing a business broke. I grew a multi-million dollar company broke because I grew it for one, the wrong reasons and in the wrong ways. And so now what I like to do is keep people from making that same mistake. Because even though we were doing multi-million dollar revenue years, I wasn't even getting paid. My salary was less than a six-figure salary. You know, the math on that is, that means that I had people who were making more than me in my own company. Mm -hmm. So I was not putting myself first and therefore I was working for my company. And unfortunately, you know, people are as good. They, they're awesome until they're not. And it's not when you're going to lose an employee. It's uh, when you're going to lose an employee. And it's not necessarily always you're under control of your, your, I'm sorry, let me back that up. You're not always under control of the culture. Like you can create a culture by planting the seeds and cultivating the culture, but the culture only holds up as long as great people are in your organization. And while I had some great people, I also had some bad apples and the bad apples ruined the bushel, made my life miserable, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. And so I don't want other people to do that because if I was scaling that business properly, I would not have run into that problem, right? And, and technically... I wasn't even scaling the, I was scaling the business instead of growing the business. So growing a business has to do with sales and operations where scaling is all sales because operations are so set that it doesn't matter how much you throw at it. It continues to work predictably in the same manner. Right. And so my perfect clients are the ones who have, are getting they're they're moving through that 1 million mark. And that's where things get hairy because you start getting bigger teams and your marketing has to get more and more specific because the bigger your team is, the, the, the more clients you have, the more opportunities you have to do different things. But that 
reduces the amount of profitability you have in, within your company. So I help, like I was just working with a chiropractor today. He's been in business for 30 years, right? And he's like, and he's just got lazy. Uh, and the digital marketing world changed over the last couple of years since iOS 14, as most people know. And so now he's gone through the radio, the TV, and all, and now digital marketing. And now it's like, well, what do I do now? It's like, well, it's time to pivot a little bit and let's go back to the basics. He's like, I like the basics. Let's do the basics. I says, but who are you serving? Because if you just want to run the numbers, it's not going to be that much fun for you anymore, is it? I says, no. I said, where do you want to be? And he, he actually understood his market and he understood that they're commoditizing the chiropractic uh, care industry with franchises, chiropractic franchises. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And so they're going to be in Walmarts and what all these other things. And I was like, okay, well now, now you have to niche, right? Because you have to make your practice different than any of those. And it has to be so different that they would never look at that franchise and look at you and think that they were the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so we did. Um, he's going to focus on knee and pain or back pain and knee uh, pain. And we're going to rebrand it as a pain center, not a chiropractic center. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take him out of the commoditized industry and insert him into a specialized industry without changing a thing he does in his office. Well, there's a couple of things we're going to do in this office, but that's the marketing side, like operation, marketing through operations type of thing. That's another conversation. So when somebody has that light bulb, man, that makes my whole day just light up, you know? And it's just like, yeah, this is scary, Buzz. And I said, I'm here for you. I walk you through the whole process because one, I've done it. I, mm -hmm. I, I had to rethink how, you know, trying to be everything to everybody makes me no one to no one, right? And that's, that's where I help people the most is when they have lost their ability to be a niche or they're losing their ability to understand what they're, what they're truly offering that's different. Because a lot of people will get inside their head and they're looking from the inside of their company out and saying, I don't, I, I'm just, I, I just do dot, right? Like say you're a trucker. I'm just using a really bad example because that came <laughs> to my mouth. A trucker, right? Mm -hmm. A trucker just trucks, right? No. And most truckers are private contractors. They own their own business. Mm -hmm. No, some truckers haul highly explosive uh, cargo. Mm -hmm. Other truckers are really good at maybe they have a team and so they can get across the country really fast, right? Other truckers like to, to deal with refrigeration units, right? Or maybe they're just short route folks who can pick up one, uh, take one thing to one place, pick up another, bring it to another place and create uh, 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 circuits, right? Mm -hmm. All of those, as simple as trucking is, all three of those truckers have different businesses, mm -hmm. even though trucking is a commoditized service. And that's what I like to find out. That's what, that's what gets my juices flowing. Nice. Love that. And I think it's a hugely important conversation to have, and we can talk in generalizations, but to me, until you get in front of Michael and start to have that conversation with him, most people get stuck in a conversation of, yeah, but yeah, but I don't want to get pinholed into one market because I can't stand working with the same person over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, right. but I want to, you know, <laughs> but these people have a bigger profit margin, but these people, there's more of them and these people, and that whole conversation ensues. So what do you see as the biggest problem people have when they get into the world of yeah, but? The yeah, but the, the two habits that you do, um, the, the, sorry, that was a bad pun. The, uh, 
<laughs> so I'm cracking me up today. So <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the first one that you mentioned is that, oh, well, I don't want to work with the same person over and over again. That means you're not working with the right people. You want to get your ideal client, the, the client that you are super excited when the phone rings. You're super excited when you see the from in your inbox. They're super excited when you get a message via Slack or a text message or whatever it is. That person you should want to work with every day. Mm -hmm. And you want people like that person. You want to study that person and find out what makes them tick, what makes them love you and be, and what makes them such a great client. Because those are the most profitable clients 99% of the time. The other 1%, yeah, that's another question. And I think you should probably talk to Michelle because there's other things going on, right? So <laughs> that's- A but, little therapy on the side. Eh? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of a yeah, yeah, right? Uh, so <laughs> then the second piece that you had, oh, so let me, let me finish on the first piece. So mm -hmm. with that said, when you work with a, a one type of person and it's your favorite, one, you're excited about doing it, so you're proficient, right? Um, or I'm sorry, you are giving great customer service. Number two, you're doing it over and over again, which makes you proficient, expert. And you create higher proficiency the more you do it, which makes you more profitable. So you don't have to have as many. And nine times out of 10, you can raise your prices on your current best clients and they will not move an inch because they understand the value you bring and that you were undercharging them in the first place, therefore don't need so many clients. Nice. which makes your second point moot. Love it. So when it comes to finding that perfect person, what kind of elements other than you love working with them are, are we looking at in the scope of taking somebody from, I can work with anybody that breathes. And in fact, even if they don't, you know, we can do CPR on them. Uh, but, <laughs> so I think that the start? first, yeah, I, I understand your question. And the, I think the first phase of that is to understand who you don't like to work with and understand what bugs you about them. Because sometimes it's not the people, it's what you do for them, mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes we get caught in, like even in my business, there's the what we call button mashing that has to happen, right? Uh, we have got to optimize things and get into code and work with ad campaigns and you know write blogs and all of the things that happen in the ecosystem of digital marketing campaign, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, I get bored doing that. I'm, I'm the big sky guy. I'm the strategy. Let's get you there. And then my team gets plugged in where they, they love that. They don't want to deal with people all day. They want, they like the numbers. They love to look at code. They love gaming the advertising systems. That's their passion, right? So when you're looking at your, for your perfect client, make sure that your perfect client is having you do what you're most passionate about. And once you've done that, you've paired the type of person with the type of work and, that you love, there's your perfect client right there. And now how many of those do you have now, right? Mm -hmm. Then you turn around and you go, okay, what are the 20% of my clients that are taking up 80% of my time that don't meet those, those requirements, right? Because mostly, most times your perfect clients are not taking up a lot of time. They respect you too much. That's one of the reasons why they love you. Okay. And then, and they respect you and that's why you like them because they respect you and they do what you say if you're a service-based business. Right. Mm -hmm. So now it's time to shed those other 20%. So I always tell them, it's like, all right, 
find your, your customer avatar, your perfect client. And now let's go and market to that perfect client. Again, for every one of those, you fire your least uh, profitable client. Hire, as you get hired another one, do it again, do it again, do it again until you get rid of those 20% that you've identified in the beginning. Now you can take a look at your business. Okay, do I need more business? If I don't need more business, now I have to just understand what my churn rate is. How many clients do I have to create to so where I can stay steady here? And so, because we, if you start, stop marketing, you're going to stop getting clients. And it's not that if you lose clients, it's when you lose clients, period, end of story. And some people have a finite amount of time with their clients, right? Some... Uh, I have a, uh, one of my medical um, clients only gets six weeks. After six weeks, they usually don't come back because they're already, they're cured and there's no reason to come back, right? Weight loss uh, clinics, they lose the weight. There's not a lot more to do, right? Unless there's a maintenance program, stuff like that you can do, but you still, that maintenance program is giving you uh, pennies on the dollar of the actual program. So you got to replace them in the program. Right. So unless you have a recurring revenue uh, type business, you're always going to be marketing because you always have to overcome your churn. Awesome. So is there a difference between um, somebody that just wants to have like, I want to be able to run a business where I get to do my thing. Somebody that I don't know, they like to paint. So right. they paint houses and I just want to keep myself busy. Versus somebody that goes, no, I want to have a team. I want to have six trucks on the road. I want to like, mm -hmm. talk to me about the different, different mindset and the different approaches they have to take to working with you to be able to wrap their head around um, creating those businesses. So for solopreneurs, the idea that you can run a business by yourself is very misguided. Very few people run a complete business all by themselves. They have a team. Your bank is part of your team. Your bookkeeper is part of your team. Your tax account is part of your team. Your marketer can be is part of your team if you're if you're not doing it yourself. Um, all of those people right there. There's just four people right there on your team, and most businesses have at least one, uh, at least three of those. Right. Mm -hmm. Very few people are doing their own taxes. If they are, I think they're unless they're CPAs. I don't think they're doing it right because <laughs> they're working in their business and not on their business, and that troubles me because. That means that they don't understand the power of leverage, right? So you, to have a lifestyle business, which is what you were talking about, and that solopreneurs are usually a lifestyle business. You need to make enough money to where you don't have to do the business of the business, right? The backend stuff. You just do what you want to do. So if you're a painter or a baker or- A candlestick um, maker. A candlestick <laughs> maker, right? Yeah, I was, I was gonna not do that, Michelle. I was gonna, I was gonna I'm keep sorry. away from it. You open the drag door. me back in. <laughs> and uh, if you're, yeah, all of those, and that's what you like. You're just like, I just want to dip wicks in candles all day long. That's what I want to do, and I get it. Like for me, I love marketing. I love marketing strategies so much. I don't want to do anything else except market my company and do strategy for the companies that hire us for strategy. That's all I want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. The rest of the company, I'm hiring an operations manager right now. The day to day for everything else that's tactical will not be done or managed by Michael Bazinski after that person's in place, period, end of story. Because I, my passion and my strengths are in strategy. 
So when you're dealing with the even, so to answer your question, whether you are a solopreneur or you're trying to build a team, there's always a team. So there's really the long, the, the short answer to the long, <laughs> the long answer to the short question, I guess, is that there is no such thing as a solopreneur. So give me an example of one of your Cinderella stories, one of your clients. My most recent is a fractional CFO. And he was a part owner and CFO for a couple of construction companies that were doing tens of millions of dollars. And he like tripped, doubled or tripled the actual uh, revenue of these companies through some of his uh, frameworks that he had created. Okay. Nice. He'd done that twice. Three times, three times, sorry, three times. He has three case studies before he ever had a client because he'd done it three times. And so he wanted to build a business because he wanted to do it for multiple clients. And so when we, he came to me, he was a complete mess because a ad agency had done an ad agency thing by really not just lit, taking orders and not actually being a, what I call a marketing um, confidant you know, that, you know, it's like, Hey, th this is not how you do it. Like you just, you have to argue with your client sometimes like, no, that's wrong. Like if you want to do it that way, I just need you to understand it's the wrong way. And these are the, the, the bad things are going to happen. And I know that he didn't get told that because he's not one of those type of people. He listens to the people he pays. Okay. For six months, they gave, uh, that he waited for a really bad website. I told him, he said, he wouldn't sell uh, water to a thirsty man in the middle of a desert. That's, that's how bad this website was. So in 45 days, we turned around and we actually built him a website. He had no, no idea how to market. So we had to build everything out. So we had a framework and the operational framework of what he did, but that wasn't marketable. Like you start talking uh, CFO financial gibberish and people are just going to go to sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had to create something, uh, that was marketable. So I, to sell against. And so I created something that was called the financial resource optimization, which utilized all of the tenants that he believed in, in being a fractional CFO. And with that fro is what we call it. He can now talk about fro and cash flow, and let's double your profitable cash flow in, uh, to double your profitable cash flow so you can grow your business predictably and pay your pay your employees enough to keep them because in this day and age in construction. So now he niches uh, to construction companies or contractors that do 10 million or more. Okay, great. So when he first started talking, he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to charge like $1,500 a month. And I was like, that seems low. And then he got in, a, he got a sales a coach. Because he needed to learn how to sell as an accountant, right? So he got a sales coach, and got, the sales coach tells him, "It's like you need to raise the price." And so he says, "I'm going to do fifty thousand dollars to start." I'm like, okay, that sounds ambitious. Tell me more. And so we talked about it, and we created this framework to where there was a guarantee around it. So we just realized that fifty thousand dollars to somebody who's doing ten million or more a year is a drop in the bucket. So if you don't give them at least a little bit of uh, skin in the game, they're not going to do what they're going to, they're going to pay for. Right. And the whole, the great thing about that is that the guarantee made it to where he paid for himself in the first 90 days. So $50,000. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to start doubling the profits on a $10 million company, like, I can, I can probably tweak one little thing and save you $50,000. You're blowing to the wind right now. Gone, bye bye. That's just the first thing I'll do is 50 grand. Now let's take you from 10 million to 20 million. Let's take you from 20 million 
to 40 million. And if I'm your fractional CFO, you're taking me along with you because I'm the one that showed you how to do it. And every one of those steps, there's different things to have to deal with, right? Period right. of story. So we go and we start, we built this website out. We created the framework. It gave him all of his marketing materials, whole nine yards. He goes and does a presentation in front of 12 companies and he signs to $100,000 right there. Boom. If he had walked in there with his business card and I help you with your cash flow, uh, hire me as a fractional CFO, he would have never done it. So the moral story is that integrated marketing is more than just a pretty website. It's everything that is talked about within the website and how you promote everything outside of the website. So when they get to your website, everything's congruent and people understand what they're going to get for their money if they hire you. Nice. I love it. And of course, you're preaching to the choir because to me, it drives me nuts when people get stuck on tactics first. It's like, oh, I just need a website. I just need a Facebook ad. I just need whatever. And that's going to you know, be the holy grail of business. And it's like, wow. Okay. So <laughs> no trick, no one trick ponies anymore. And we're back to basics. Back up the bus a little bit. Yeah. And an, an interesting statistic that I love to start with is 80% of us entrepreneurs that go into business have zero business background. It's not right. that we don't have a degree in business. It's not that we don't have master's in business. It's not that we don't have a PhD in business. <laughs> we have zero experience in business. And running a business. We have never <laughs> ran one. We have never looked at running one. We probably don't even know how to reconcile a cash register. And I yet, was really good at SimCity when I was a kid. How does that count? <laughs> yeah, right? I told my friends what to do. Does that count? <laughs> monopoly. I always wanted Monopoly. Hey. Come on out. <laughs> my sister cheated. She was always a banker. Yeah. That well, yeah, that, for life. you don't win. You don't win unless you cheat. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, Larry. So in there, I had a question. And um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, no, I'm kidding. Working with people that don't have experience in business, I'm not shooting them down at all. I've been there, done that, bought 700 t shirts like that. Um, <laughs> what's the biggest thing that you can tell them to say, hey, you know what? Don't go for the Facebook ads first. Don't go for the whatever's first, not bashing Facebook ad people, but it, the tactics before strategy, why the, or how do you convince them that strategy and talking to you and getting an overlay of where their business is going and what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve is more important. Is that a question yeah. or a statement? That was kind of a statement. It, it is, but Turn I'm going to, I'm going to add to it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give you the why to your statement. How's that? Thank you. Okay. Please do. I'm, I'm just formulating this simile here. Okay. The metaphor, the metaphor, it, it's an easy metaphor, right? It's building a house. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you build the roof first, it's going to sit on the ground and do what? You're going to sit on it. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's say we build the walls first so we can put a roof on it. Okay. And the wind blows. Where's it going to go? Okay. It's the foundation of marketing is what all tactics are built on. And if you don't have a foundation, you don't know which tactics are working and which are not. There is a saying, 50% of your marketing is working. You just don't know which 50% it is. Therefore, you keep spending and expending time on all of it because you're afraid you're going to stop doing the one that's actually working. Nice. I love that. And yes, even if you live in Florida, you still have to dig down a little bit to be able to put your foundation in. So if the person you're working with isn't doing a little bit of digging into your business, 
it's probably not the right thing to do first. Strategy, marketing strategy, uh, the, the fundamentals of marketing have not changed for centuries. Tactics continue to change. They come and go. The fundamentals, people still buy the same way with the same mentality as they did 100 years ago without TV, without internet and all the other things. We what? use our emotional side of our brains. We buy with our emotional side of our brains and we then um, make, uh, we rationalize with the left side of our brain. Okay. So mm -hmm. we, everybody uses emotion, even in business, we do an emotional decision and then we use our analytical brain to justify the purchase. So when you go to me and you say, Hey, buzz, I want to double my business. You there's a little bit of endorphin that gets like released and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to have twice as much money. Right. <laughs> and that is an emotional, right. And then all the analytics go in there. Yeah. Cause if he does this, this is going to happen. And if I do this, this is going to happen. And then they start and you start putting that back in and then it becomes this rational decision. And you're like, okay, let's go. That's okay. As long as we understand that. And then we use the fundamentals of how we approach it. How do we measure it? And how do we test it? And if we're always testing and measuring and testing and measuring and testing and measuring and always doing that, we're always proving ourselves right or wrong, which is always great. It's when we make an assumption, we throw, we go all in without testing anything. And then we get a little bit of uh, success and we go, yeah, that's it. And then you throw everything else at it again, you double up on it and nothing works. Right. And we just, you know, th those shooting stars happen all the time. And it's why 95% of businesses don't make it past five years because then nobody's that lucky. Here, here. Awesome. So what are some of the stumbling blocks other than wanting to double their business that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, but they need you so bad. They don't know what they're doing. Like you're just there. I have so many people who were well, right now I'm adopting so many of the pre the, the COVID uh, uh, victims, right? Cause like COVID hit and everybody's like, crap, I got to do all my marketing over again. I've got to take my brick and mortar. got to put it online. I got to do this. And everybody's like running around and it's just, just this crazy mess, right? Right in the middle of that was a bunch of people who go, wow. Facebook ads and these ads and da, 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 are really working. And so their tactical marketers are coming out and going, hey, we can help you. We can help you. We can help you. Help, da, 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 da. And so they build these tactics up. And now, and then in the middle of that, iOS 14 hits and their tactics stop working and COVID starts waning and, 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 and this is why I'm saying it's the back to the basics. See, I've been marketing back since 2005. Well, technically, I've been marketing since 1994. <laughs> technically, but back in the day, 32 <laughs> years. Anyway, so <laughs> we won't we won't go there. Shoot, it's even earlier than that. I've been mark. I've been in sales and marketing since the 80s, 1980s. As the 20th century, the 1900s, as, as they call it, the kids call it now. <laughs> so just to make me feel old. Um, but the thing is this: when I started my business. I, I I was building it on the foundational stuff because none of the digital stuff had taken off yet. The internet was still a fad. Facebook hadn't really launched. It just had launched. We were, we were just being introduced to, like I had a Palm Pilot back then, right? And um, some people don't even know what a Palm is, but uh, now they have like a little mini versions of it. Anyway, long story short is that 
the people who started those marketing, when they started doing their digital marketing in the teens or at the beginning of COVID are now finding out that these people only are one trick ponies. And so I'm having to save them from that. The chiropractor I was talking about earlier, you're dealing with a Facebook advertising company and they were an atrocious company apparently to work with because they, they were costing them a lot of money for their leads and the leads were crap. Like they would come in and they were just horrible clients and they weren't who he wanted to deal with and all that stuff. So the quality of leads was bad and all that stuff. All they cared about was the numbers. And so if you're stuck with somebody who is just worried about numbers and not talking about quality, right? And quantifying the qualities, then yeah, you need to talk to somebody like me. Definitely find a way to yeah. get away from the people who just want to tell you, well, I've got this. That's great. Even when I do SEO and I tell you, hey, listen, I've increased your search visibility by 800%. I then back that up. That, that visibility is from these keywords that are commercially, uh, have commercial intent. Oh. And you notice the difference by the people that show up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. I had an Inc. 5000 company come to me. Ran Oak Squarespace page, 120 pages long. I was like, I cannot do your SEO until it is on a WordPress site. It's just not going to work. It's just that it does. Wix and Squarespace will swear that they're SEO friendly. They are not. Okay. <laughs> so I had to rebuild the dang thing and it had to be pixel perfect. So first we did that. That was the first miracle. Then the next miracle was in the first nine months, we took the, the, the amount of, of organic conversions they were getting from their website was bad it was they were actors looking for work they weren't customers looking for actors right it's a production it was a production house it is they're still a client and um and so we turned that around nine months later 50 percent of all their website conversions were coming from organic traffic 90 percent of those so we flipped the script before it was 10% were actual buyers and 90% were actors. Now it is 90% buyers and 10% actors. Nice. And then she's like, I don't know if this is working. <laughs> and I go, this because it's such a big company, right? And this is the problem with big companies. It's like, you don't, right? You don't, if you're the CEO and you're writing a book and you're on tour and you're doing all these other things, you, you don't, you don't stop long enough to look at the numbers. And so I have, that's my responsibility is to show them the numbers. Once I showed her the numbers and I told her, she's like, well, how much is that from organic? And I showed her and he says, well, how many conversions are coming from organic? And then I showed her that 45% of all of her conversions are coming from organic. She's like, I guess we're going to keep that. We'll keep <laughs> yeah. that. We'll keep that. So I was like, great. I love that. I love working with her team and everything like that. It's like, great. She's off selling a book worldwide, but they, yeah, it's okay. As long as the company that's allowing you to do that is around, let's do this. Right. And that's, you want that from your marketer. You want somebody who's going to push back and say, Hey, how can we do it better? Because I had another, I have a roofing company came to me and they're like, Hey, I've been dealing with this roofing company for 10 years. I pay them 10 grand a month. I don't know what they do. I'm like 10 grand a month for 10 years. 1.2 million dollars people. That's a lot. Right. And they're growing. They I get just it. sort of want clients like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know why I'm taking that 10 grand and don't question it. Right. But they kind of don't. Now they, but... <laughs> yeah. But now they realize it. So they're like, okay, so what would you do different? I was like, well, and they, and they told me, well, I don't know if we gave them a good enough chance. This is a, a pair of uh, owners. Right. And so one of them was like, I need to, we need to pivot. The other one's like, well, maybe we should, you know, so he's kind of wishy-washy. Right. Aww. So in my proposal, I says, well, if you wanted to do it, if you want to do it the same way and, and expect different results, which is the definition of insanity, this is what it's going to cost you. 
Mm -hmm. Or we can do it the way I think you should do it. And this is how I think it is. And I, I spell it, and it actually costs less because I took all the fluff out that wasn't doing them any good anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we can take the money you're saving there and we can start doing these other tactics that will plug into your new website that's actually made to convert, not just convert bots, because there's a lot of people out there, well, I'm, I'll create an SEO website. Are you making an SEO website uh, for bots or for humans? Because you, you have to give the bots what they need, but you have to sell to humans. And I will tell you right now, it's better to sell to humans than to make everything about the bots. And the perfect, the perfect website is a combination of both. It's a symmetry to where you give the human exactly what they need to be a buyer and the, anal the analytical data and the references and keywords and all the other stuff, metadata and all the other stuff that goes along with for the bots in a way that the human doesn't feel it. And that is an art. Absolutely. It is. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? You can go to buzzworthy.biz. If you are looking for, if you're more of a DIYer, um, that we do have some options there. I also have a book called The Rule of 26, which is how to double your website revenue for service-based businesses. So kind of a little bit of what we got in there. And it talks about uh, the three uh, objectives and basically use, utilizing those three objectives and fundamental uh, marketing to help drive more business to your website. And this is at ruleof26.com. Nice. Love it. Of course, peeps, just scroll down and we will have all of Buzz's links in the show notes and uh, you'll be able to go and access all of that fun stuff. Awesome. Buzz, you've been absolutely fantastic. I know you gave us a little inkling of your story, but I got to know at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> that is such a crazy question. Um, I think it was back when I was a teenager and I started my first photography company. And I said, I can do this. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I think I had three <laughs> clients before I stopped doing that. But, um, but the, I, to be a full-time entrepreneur, I actually didn't, I didn't think I was anything special. That's the, I think that's the craziest part. I didn't even have a plan. Like I got out of the service. I didn't have anything in savings because I spent it all building the recording studio. I went all in with no parachute, no plan B, nothing. And the first month, oh, and, and the, at that time, my studio's, uh, rent was one and a half times more than my home rent for my the condo I lived in, um, and I was and and I and I was really smart about that part because I basically got my I rented out a two bedroom uh, condo apartment and I rented out the other half for half of the rent. Nice. And so then that so I, I was living for like five hundred dollars a month in Anchorage is really good back in two thousand five, and uh, but then my rent uh, at the office was twelve hundred dollars a month. So I had $1,700 nut in 30 days. And that's not including anything else. That's not including food. That's not including gas. It's not including clothing. That's not including soap, nothing, just that. And at the time we were charging $55 an hour. Wow. <laughs> I worked a lot my first year. We made $72,000 in gross sales. I think uh, I paid myself $22,000 my first year in business. And that all went, to, and if you do the math, a quarter of that went to rent. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, that's audacity to start up a production in Anchorage. Cause I'm going like, what's the population of Anchorage, let alone how many? 372,000 people. 
which is three times as many as in Springfield, Illinois, where I'm at. So (laughs) (laughs) doesn't mean I'd start up a production studio. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is like I didn't it one while I was still in. I was actually doing live sound locally, and Mm -hmm. I realized that there was only two other studios and they're charging a buttload of money. And I've always been kind of the underdog. And I, I root for the underdog. I've got, I'm a Bengals fan. Um, I am an A's fan. I am a, a Warriors fan. And, you know, the Warriors are doing great and the Bengals are doing great right now. But, but you know, for the last 30 years, they haven't, right? So, <laughs> so it's just my, it's my decade right now. So I'm taking it while I have it. But I always, I always fight for the underdog and the little guy. Um, I, I love a good David and Goliath uh, story. And so that's who I championed. I, cause as a musician, I was not treated very well in those types of studios. I just had a horrible experience. And so my mission was, uh-huh. is like, Hey, if I can't become a, a professional, you know, a, a full-time professional musician, uh, I can help others in their journey because I've been through some of that stuff. Um, it's just unfortunate that it, it, it would have been a lifestyle company if I would have stayed that way. And as I was starting to raise my prices to actually be able to live off of it, um, people, um, were kind of balking cause they didn't have the money. And then number two in the industry got turned on its head when home recording, digital home recording studios became commoditized. And so for the price of what I would charge you for a whole album, you could have a setup and just do it in, in, and figure it out yourself. And unfortunately that means that your music, I mean, they don't think about it this way, but you know, the, the, the selling point is that, Hey, now you're going to become an engineer. So are you an engineer or you a musician? Because I'll tell you right now, when I get my engineer hat on my music, the, the way that I think about music is much different than when I've got the guitar in my hand and I'm playing. And okay. so they didn't see it. And I knew that I couldn't stick around for them and wait for people to realize it. And I was in Anchorage. So there was a very finite amount of musicians to deal with. But I had a good cadre of musicians I had worked with live. And I had done some pre-selling by buying a live CD recorder. And I would actually record my live mixes onto a CD during Battle of the Band. So I'd get 10 bands in and I'd give 10 CDs of live recordings out with my logo, Buzz Biz Studios, and said, hey, you like the live? Wait till you get in my studio. And that's how I and that's how I worked out. I love it. Uh, Sad note, we just finally, finally, last year, threw out our CD printer because we're like, this is never going to happen again. (laughs) I just found a bin of CDs and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh, I had, I had a bank of three. So like, so when we pivoted, so my, my, my vision, my first vision was that we were going to be a, like from start to finish, you came in and you recorded and then we did your, your album art. And then we printed your album. We did all of the d- design for your, your posters and all that other stuff. And then we did music videos because we had awesome. a video. We, you know, we were going to add the video and all those other things. All the things that we ended up having for small businesses, that because that was the pivot from musicians to small businesses, mm-hmm. right? Same services, different products, right? Um, and uh, but it's like you couldn't get these kids to even pay for the. And I say kids, I was probably after some of their same age <laughs> as I was back then. But you couldn't get people to pay just for the recording anymore, let alone. Mm-hmm you know, oh, well, I'll just go to Vistaprint for this and I'll go do this. And so there's, and they're, and they're being frugal for a reason. I mean, there's only so much money and you can, you know, and I never went into debt for my music. I just worked my butt off and was in marketing and sales where you can make a lot of money at a very young age. 
and then just buy your friends musician uh, musical <laughs> instruments so they can be in your bands with you you know <laughs> so it was fun you know teach them how to play bass so you have a bassist here now we have a bassist let's go <laughs> that's awesome Oh my God, Buzz, you have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. I know how much it's worth. Any last words for our peeps? Keep trucking. <laughs> Started with truckers, we're going to end it with truckers. Keep on trucking. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Peeps, thank you for being here with us today. We love helping you build and scale your business. So be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends who are also looking to build and scale their businesses. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.